Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. Man, one of the things I love about the journey that we've been on is that we've been able to go through Scripture, chapter after chapter after chapter, book after book. We went through Matthew, we went through John, we went through Luke, now we're going through Acts, we're past midway, this will bring us uh, to the end of April, somewhere in April as we finish this this book. Man, for us to get this much scripture under our belts is a, is a really, really good thing because it is darn hard to just read the Bible for your average Joe. So today we're heading into Acts 18 and I've entitled my message, Courage to go, to go and do what God wants you to do in sharing the gospel. You'll notice this theme that keeps happening, and it's unavoidable because it keeps happening in Acts. You keep hearing it and seeing it, reading it in Acts, and God is speaking to us as a community that we got to get out of hiding. We got to get off our butts and get to sharing the gospel. I know <laughs> that there's fear, guys keep it 100 there is fear it almost seems like this image that you see right behind me that we're to go over there over there over to the other side we have to go through this huge abyss that we don't even know if we can make it and that over there is going and talking with someone about the gospel as I mentioned last week even having a conversation with someone whether it's in person or even online whipping out your keyboard and just and just typing typing and having a conversation with someone even though it's so close it seems yet so far i get it i understand but god is speaking to us and through today's chapter he's got a message for us that confronts our fear that helps us to deal with fear and we could see it in the life of paul and this is super valuable we need to be witnesses we need to evangelize. That means sharing the good news. Evangel, good news. Yes, so today we're going to talk about that. And I want to share a quote with you before we begin. I'm just going to put that up on the screen here for us. It says, evangelism is not an option for the Christian. Let me read that again. Evangelism is not an option for the Christian. Let me read it again with a different emphasis. Evangelism is not an option for the Christian. Let me read it one more time with a different emphasis. Evangelism is not an option for the Christian. And this quote is from Louis Palau, an international evangelist. And one of the things I love about evangelists is that they're sold out to, to communicate the gospel to people. And that's not something that's super easy. It certainly isn't easy for me, so I can relate. Now let's head into the scriptures for today. Acts 18, we're going to focus on verses 5 to 11. And it says this, and feel free to read it with me. It says, Eventually Silas and Timothy left Macedonia and joined him, who's Paul, in Corinth, the city of Corinth within the Roman Empire. They found him fully occupied 
occupied, not occupied, <laughs> by proclaiming the message, testifying to the Jewish people that Jesus was God's anointed, the liberating king. Eventually, though, some of them stopped listening and began insulting him. He shook the dust off his garments in protest. Paul said, okay, I've done all I can for you. You are responsible for your own destiny before God. From now on, I will bring the good news to the outsiders. Verse 7. He walked out of the synagogue and went next door to the home of an outsider, Titius Justus, who worshipped God. Paul formed a gathering of believers, a house church there, that included Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his whole household, and many other Corinthians who heard Paul, believed, and were ceremonially washed through baptism. One night Paul had a vision in which he heard the Lord, the Lord's voice. The Lord said, Do not be afraid, Paul. Speak. Don't be silent. I am with you. And no one will lay a finger on you to harm you. I have many in the city who are already my people. After such turmoil in previous cities, these words encourage Paul to extend his stay in Corinth, teaching the message of God among them for a year and six months. All right, those are our, our verses that we're going to focus on today. So I want to dive into the details of this. As I dissect some of this, you're going to... Uh, God will speak to you through some of, of, of these details. But I want to speak even further um, beyond that after dealing with some of these details. All right, so the first thing. Let's go to the first part of that. Verse 5. Eventually Silas and Timothy left Macedonia and joined Paul in Corinth. Corinth, I don't know if you know much about Corinth, but Corinth was a major port city in the Roman Empire. It was a major port city that joined together Italy and parts of the Western Roman Empire to the east, the eastern part of the Roman Empire, the eastern, the part of the Roman Empire really that was around the eastern part of the Mediterranean, and so a lot of goods had to be to go through there. And so this was a major port city, and it was a, a city of immense wealth, tremendous wealth. And so this is where Paul was, and this is where Silas and Timothy joined them. Although they don't play a major role in this particular passage. And what they did was they found they found Paul fully occupied occupied by what am I saying occupied occupied by proclaiming the message testifying to the Jewish people that Jesus was God's anointed the liberating king. So if you've been following with us through the gospels if you've been following with us through the chosen series and by the way guys we're starting the chosen series uh season 3 episode 1 and you should have heard that from your life groups. And even if you're not part of life group, feel free to track with us. But you would have noticed that the Jewish people and the disciples in that first century, they were awaiting, they were praying for, and even in the centuries prior to that, they are praying for and waiting for an anointed king, the Messiah, the anointed one, a king to liberate them, a king to lead them, a king to save them, because they had experienced so much oppression as a people 
throughout the centuries. And so they're waiting for that person. And Paul was speaking to the Jewish people and telling them that this anointed king that you've been praying for, that you've been waiting for, that you've been wanting for so long, (coughs) excuse me, is Jesus, is Jesus. And this is what he was occupied. It says he was fully occupied. That means he was busy. He was always busy trying to find a way to tell people about Jesus. That's the first thing I want to point out to you today. Um, the next part of this is this. Eventually, some of those Jews, they stopped listening. They began insulting him. They began, in a way, trolling him. They began giving him hate. And it was tough. It became very tough for him. It's not the first time he experienced this. In fact, he was the one doing the same thing to other people and even inflicting violence on them in the past when he didn't believe in Jesus. But here, he's experiencing the same thing. I don't want to say it's karma. It's not karma. It's just a result of following Jesus. People persecuted Jesus. People will persecute you if you are a follower of Jesus. He got frustrated. And it was difficult for him, incredibly difficult for him. And so that's really important for us to understand in this situation. And he was giving up. He wanted to move on. He wanted to leave. And so if we, as we go to the next part, we see here that one night Paul had a vision. It's interesting that he had a vision because when he came to encounter Jesus on that road to Damascus, <laughs> he became blind because a, a light appeared in the sky, which is Jesus in the, in the form of that light, and it blinded Paul. But here we have, and, 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 and by the way, and Jesus spoke to Paul there in, in that encounter. But here we have Jesus speaking to Paul in a vision. He heard the Lord's voice, the scripture says. He heard Jesus' voice. And Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. If Jesus said, don't be afraid, that means that Paul, even though he didn't say it with his own words, that he was afraid. Just like you and me at times, when we, when we feel prompted that we should share the gospel, or that they're prompted by the Holy Spirit, that, we, that the Holy Spirit wants us to share the gospel with a certain someone, and we, we sense that fear, we get afraid. Paul experienced that, guys. Paul experienced that same fear, and Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. Paul, speak. Don't. Don't be silent. Don't be afraid. Speak. Don't be silent. Let's go to the next part. Skipping along, he says to Paul, he says, I am with you. I am with you. In those moments where we're afraid, we can take comfort in knowing the same way that Jesus said that he is with Paul, he was with Paul, that Jesus is with us. That even though we're afraid, that we have Jesus that is... Who is with us? And he says to him, No one will lay a finger on you to harm you. And then he finishes off this particular verse and says, I have many in this city who are are already my people. 
What does that mean? I have many who are already my people. In this, in this verse, we see that God has already appointed eternal life to some people. He's already elected, if you want to use that kind of spiritual language, He's already elected some. He already has His eye on some people that He knows are His. Whether it's God's foreknowledge or it's His predestination. Foreknowledge meaning for, forward. He knows, knowledge knows, He knows ahead of time what is going to happen for the future because God is omniscient, omniscience, like knowledge, omniscient. But God also predestined. Pre meaning before, destined, like destiny. That people, He's already predestined, giving people a destiny, some that He's elected, that they are to have eternal life, that they would be saved. Just like the song talks about that we, that, that Dominic picked for our worship and that I read aloud. This is our God. This is He who, uh, this is who he, he is. He loves us. He, this is our God. This is what he does. he does. He saves us. He saves us. He had His mind on people that in that city that were, sa- that were, that were, that were elected and that he would save. He appointed people to eternal life. And so he provides the Apostle Paul with confidence that his sharing the gospel would not be in vain. It's not for it's not gonna completely fall on nothing but dead deaf ears, that there's gonna be a purpose to it, that some people will come to faith because God has his eye and his heart on those people he knows in his foreknowledge and he's predestined that they would come to faith. Super important. So verse 11. It says, verse 11 starts with this. It says, after after such turmoil, after such turmoil, in previous cities, it wasn't just in Corinth, Man, these words encouraged Paul. The word encouraged means to give courage. He started to experience courage. I should have highlighted the word courage that you see up here. God encouraged him, and I I believe God wants to encourage you, just as he encouraged Paul. And in the end, instead of leaving, instead of just leaving the city of Corinth, Paul extended his stay in the city of Corinth teaching the message of God among them for a year and six months. And that ended up being the second longest stay in any city, in any of Paul's, uh, any of Paul's missionary journeys. And that's significant. He stayed there a year and six months, possibly A.D. 49 to A.D. 51. And during those times, he even wrote letters. He wrote letters to the previous places he visited, in Thessalonica, for example, he wrote while in Corinth, First and Second Thessalonians. And later on, after leaving Corinth, he wrote letters back to Corinth, First and Second Corinthians. He wrote four letters we know, but we've only we only archaeologically have two, First and Second Corinthians, so that's why we have them in the Bible. And this was his longest stay, second longest stay. His longest one was in the city of Ephesus. That's where he that's the city that he wrote the book of Ephesians to. 
And so here's some of the background of what happened there at that time. He experienced turmoil, but God encouraged him. He extended his stay. He stayed there for a year and six months, and he taught them. He taught them. If he didn't listen to the Lord, if the Lord didn't encourage him, he would have taken off. He would have been so frustrated, consumed with his emotions, consumed with fear. He would have just taken off. I want to tell you about a little someone. You know, I'm not going to lie. This image, in a sense, looks a little bit creepy. (laughs) But don't think of it like that. It's a simple statue um, in Montreal, Canada. It's a statue of Mother Emile. I mean, Emily. I keep saying that. Mother Emily Gamelin. And she was a nun. And her and her team, as you know, nuns, they give up a lot of their life, a lot of their belongings, etc. And they take up a life of serving God. And I don't know if you know this a lot. Like, There's a lot of complaints in our culture about the church and about Christians. But Christians and, and people who've been sold out for God have done so much for the world. There's Sure, there's been evil that's been done, just like in any institution, like the government, like education, like business. It's, it's, it's not that there's something wrong with the church as a concept. There's something wrong with human beings. Everywhere that human beings get, there's things that go wrong. That's why we need Jesus. But her and her team of other nuns, they started out of compassion, out of a compassion for people who are suffering and with courage that they had in their hearts. They left their place in Montreal and they started something that some of you who live locally around here, locally to, to us, um, to our family and to, and to the, the majority of us locally in this church, they started... They started a hospital, and they started with just 25 beds. They came over to Vancouver and just started with 25 beds, and they did it out of compassion. And this was before the gold rush in Vancouver. And they started the beginnings of a hospital, and they used technology. They, I, I believe they were the ones of the, the one, they were one of the first in Canada to use x-rays and uh, to have a system like that. They expanded, and they established a hospital, a hospital that some of you guys know. It's called St. Paul's Hospital. In fact, that's a hospital where I was born, where my mom went to, and I was born, right in Vancouver. But man, it took, it took a selflessness. It took a courage. It took hearing from God, listening to God, confronting your fears, and then going, and then starting off, even starting off small with just 25 beds. And look at the hospital now. It's a major hospital with major influence even internationally. God used Mother Emily Gamelin and other nuns to begin to begin this hospital. When you go to that hospital, you probably never have heard of this story. You never knew about the beginnings. But it was God that started that hospital through Emily Gamelin and other nuns. And it was done even with out of fear as they listened to God and had courage and obeyed God. And something that you might not know about Paul Although I just told you that that that, that it was it was challenging for Paul, some of us think that the Apostle Paul is just this incredible this 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 spiritual giant that is so untouchable, and in a sense he is. 
But in a sense, he was just an ordinary guy like you and I. An ordinary human being like you and I. With emotions. With fears. With frustrations. With limits. And he wanted to leave the city of Corinth, this wealthy city. Just like the city of Vancouver is wealthy. Just like the city that you may live in if it's not Vancouver. And how it's wealthy and advanced. And it was, uh, and there's people that are that were unreceptive, particularly Jews. In our city, the majority of the people are unreceptive, and so it's easy to be frustrated. It's easy when you get when you take a chance and you share the gospel. It's it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to be afraid, afraid to open your mouth. Some of us have never opened our mouths, speaking the gospel, sharing the gospel, having conversations about the gospel. We've never done that ever, and there's a fear that cripples us, that paralyzes us, that crushes us. Paul had that fear. I want to share with you how I know that, how I know those details. It's because in a letter that he wrote back to the Corinthians, it's his second letter that we have, 2 Corinthians. He wrote and he described that in the second chapter. Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in the first three verses, he describes his experience. And let me read that to you. He said, brothers and sisters, I did not pose as an expert with all the answers. I did not pretend to explain the mystery of God with eloquent speech and and human wisdom. That means he wasn't a very good speaker, most likely. I claim to know nothing with certainty. You see his humility there, even though he he was, in his previous life, he was a Pharisee and studied the things of God. But the more he studied about God, that when he came to know Jesus, he, he started to understand that he knows very little. And so he had this humility. I claim to know nothing with certainty other than the reality that Jesus is the anointed one. Meaning he is the, he's the Messiah. He's the very Messiah that you've been praying for and wanting. And for the people in our society, he's the very God that, that, that they have been wanting deep in their hearts, but they don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet. They want a God that would love them, that would forgive them, that would accept them, that would direct them, that would bring them joy, that would bring them peace. But they see a God, perhaps, that crushes their freedom. A God that they can't understand. They need God. They long for the things of God, but they don't know God yet. And so Paul says it's Jesus, the anointed one, the liberating king. Meaning liberating is someone who brings freedom, the liberating king. He was crucified. He's died, in other other words. That's why we celebrate the communion, the body, the bread. He was crucified on our behalf. And he says, I was moved. This, This is, get this, guys. This is what I will relate this is what relates to today's message so deeply. You could see him in his vulnerability share. He goes, I was moved to utter despair during my time with you. He was in utter despair. Probably shaking. Probably shaking like in fear. Wanting to share with them the good news because of God's love and his love for them. But so afraid because people would Tell him off. In that culture, they may not have used the middle finger, but they would have done something to tell him off. He said, I would find myself trembling in dread and fear. Have you ever been so afraid, so dreadful, so afraid? 
This is what Paul is experiencing in Corinth. And in the verses that follow, he said, The sermons I preached, they were not delivered with the kind of persuasive elegance some have, some have come to expect. He wasn't a persuasive, elegant speaker. But they were effective, he says, because I relied on God's Spirit to demonstrate God's power. God's Spirit spoke to him and spoke to him, spoke to him, spoke through him in power to the people. I relied on God's Spirit to demonstrate God's power. If this were not so, he says, your faith would be based on human wisdom and not the power of God. In other words, the message they heard through Paul was the power of God. And I can't help but to wonder two things. Is God speaking to you right now with His power, perhaps through my voice, perhaps through some of the words on the screen, perhaps through the Scriptures? Is God speaking to you with power in a way that's just grabbing your heart and you feel even tight in your chest because God is capturing you and speaking to you and convicting you right now. The second thing I wonder is this. Are there people that God wants to do the exact same thing to, but through you and through the message of the gospel? That if you would open your mouth, not with elegant speech, not persuasive, not even very effective, not knowing everything, but just knowing enough that Jesus loves people and that Jesus has the answers even though you don't know all of them yourself. That God might just want to capture their hearts and it wouldn't be anything incredible that you said, but it would be the power of God through you like you might be experiencing in this moment. Guys, God wants to work right now in this season through us, through you. I think through Paul's life and his example that we can relate to, we see a few things. And the first one is this. We see fear. We see his crippling fear, utter despair, utter dread, have you ever known that you, you had to go and do something and you're just like, oh man, I can't do this. I really, really can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Was there a phone call that you had to make? Was there a follow-up that you had to do? Was there bad news that you had to bear? Was there somewhere you had to go and you just couldn't do it? This was what Paul was experiencing. And this is what a lot of us experience when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's this fear. But we see from this story of what happened with Paul that Paul listened. There was fear. And then Paul listened as God gave him a vision. And God speaks through visions. God speaks through pastors. He speaks through ordinary people. He speaks through all kinds of different ways. We've talked about some of these things. He speaks through a conviction in our heart sometimes. But God spoke through a vision to Paul. Paul listened and then what happened is the third step. The third step was this. 
he experienced courage, the courage that comes from God. He was encouraged. He received courage to go and do. And that's what this model can help us with. It's three steps. It'll smash the fear that exists. There's fear. We listen. And then we have courage. Fear. Listen to God. Have courage to go. Have courage to do. And so as we end off here, Acts 18, God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us. He knows that we have fear. I can't get into the water, God. It's like too cold. It's too cold out there. I can't get in the water, God, and cross that huge abyss. It's too far. I can't swim, God. The waves are too rough. Whatever that fear might be, listen to God right now and in each each step of the way. Take your fear. Listen to God so that you can have the courage to do to do the work of the gospel so that you can have courage to go. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's our role. The making of disciples happens when people hear the gospel and they get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit according to what we read in Matthew 28, Jesus' words in the Great Commission. And then the next part is we teach them to obey. We teach them to follow Jesus. This is our job description. If we spend our whole lives, guys, never doing this, we would have failed. We need to do this, and we need to get serious about it. The Holy Spirit is speaking right now. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking. Thank you for convicting us inside. We just want to be real with you. Because we already know that you know the fears that we have inside. But God, we want to bring those fears to you. And we admit that we have heard you and that we have encouraged. We know that you are with us, that we won't be harmed, and that you'll use us, and that you have your heart around the elect, those that you have foreknowledge, knowing that they are yours in our city, in our world people around us, but also, Lord, you've predestined them. You've predestined them to come to faith. And so give us the courage that we need, the courage that you gave Paul, the courage that you gave that nun, the courage that you gave Louis Palau, because evangelism is not an option. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.